Welcome to the Healing Trauma Podcast, the Faith Edition, where your healing and faith journey matters. Where faith and trauma-informed healing unite in safety, empathy, and compassion. For more information on coaching opportunities and other resources, visit thehealingtraumapodcast.com. Now here is your host, Monique Coven. I'm so honored to have a community of listeners who value what I share, and your support makes this podcast possible. You can show your support by signing up for access to exclusive premium content. Thank you for supporting the podcast. Hi, Amy. Hey, it's so good to be here. It's so good to have you. You were on the podcast Oh, gee, I don't know if it was like a year ago or more. I don't even remember. <laughs> me either, but I'll never forget the conversation. It had such an impact on me. You were talking about, well, basically you were sharing your journey. You wrote a book and you shared, you were sharing about how you went to help, you went for help uh, to a psychiatrist who also did therapy and you were abused by your therapist, the person that you went to became vulnerable and were abused. And so you were talking about that journey and it always stayed with me, but you and I have stayed in touch and and I've seen so many changes in you. And we were having a conversation and I went, stop. <laughs> I didn't literally say stop in my head. Mm -hmm. I went stop because I thought that would be such a great conversation to share with the audience about healing and a portion of this realization that you had. And I thought we could talk about that. And that was the realization that, you know, maybe I can actually come to a place where I can be the person who I was created to be. And you were starting to actually feel into that. And that yeah. just like got me so, so excited. It was, it was an amazing realization. And it was, I was at work and just talking to my coworker about just various traumas that I've experienced. She knows some of them, not all of them. And she was just kind of marveling at like, oh my gosh, you've been through so much. And, and, and she was essentially saying like, how are you so okay? How are you so like happy and normal? And I said, you know, all this peace and joy, it's, it's all Jesus and the healing work that I've done to see myself as he sees me instead of how, you know, the world kind of told me who I was or, or how I perceived the world to be describing me. And and I thought, wow, I think this is exactly who I am, the way I'm feeling right now. I think this is who God created. And had I not had all those experiences, this would have been what it is. And it's so freeing. And it's just, it was just a really cool realization. And it's like, I like this person. You know, I had, I think when we have so many traumas, especially when we're young, we have to adapt to survive, you know, so we have to become thicker skinned. I used anger as a defense. Go I ahead. was just going to say, no, I was just going to say a chameleon. Yeah. Yeah. A chameleon. And that's totally what I did actually. And I just was whatever each person wanted. And you could see how that would leave me vulnerable, you know, in scenarios because I never really solidified who I was or what I liked or, you know, my opinions. And yeah, it's just kind of sad how we can drift through life like that. Not Wow. As you're yeah. saying that, I'm just feeling, you know, I'm a mother and I love my girls. They're adults now, but I'm thinking of them when they were young. And when you said like, 
I didn't have a chance to really solidify what do I like and what's important to me and what makes me happy and like, no, because it was just like survival or just adapting to try to please this one for survival reasons. It breaks my heart because that is what makes, I don't know, that's what makes children so precious and unique is as a mom, you're watching them discover the world and discovering what they like, what they don't like. And it's like many of us miss that. Yeah, they they deserve to be safe and free to just explore the world in themselves. But if they are not safe, you know, they have that has to totally change gears and go into kind of a self-protective mode. And I think a lot of us, sadly, have to grow up that way. You know, I think there's so much brokenness in the world that I don't know that there are a lot of kids that get to grow up feeling completely safe and just able to develop whoever they are. No, that's that there are certainly, you know, you know, they say the big traumas and the little traumas. And if you have like parents that they're there and they're providing for you, but you show some of your, I don't know, personality or likes or excitement about things and they find you're too loud or that, you know, that you feel that in your body first. Yes. And that feels a lot like what we call shame. Something's wrong. Yes. I and mean, I that's felt- just, hmm I was adopted and I think that made it extra hard because I was different, but I know that happens even if you're not adopted, but I found, or I learned, you know, from my mom's reactions that emotions are not respected and emotions are bad. And that's for people that are out of control or for people, you know, they just need to go. Like there's just not a place for them. And so that was one of the things. And then being sensitive went along with that. You know, you can't walk around you don't walk around vulnerable, like, and yeah, so to turn those two like faucets off, we become, you know, very hardened and and like we live in a shell kind of, and I feel like my faith was the only thing and my relationship with Jesus was really the only thing that penetrated through that enough to kind of help me undo it, if that makes sense. Oh, it totally does. And what you're saying about emotions, I mean, I think that our generation or parents' generation, thankfully it's changed now, I think, I hope, I pray. But I mean, emotions were not something you dealt with. It was not something you talked, you felt anything. It's like, I don't even think I knew what an emotion was. I couldn't name it. I just felt it and it didn't feel good and it scared me, (laughs) but there was none of that. And, and, And that's, you know, that's the one thing, but then to top it on, to top, put on top of that, being a sensitive child and then not having a place to have those emotions safely held or contained or come close to me. I mean, that must have been just, well, you described it so well. Yeah. And I, I like how you said that you feel them in your body because, because I turned that off from that, I don't know what age, but from a certain age on, the only way I experienced emotions were headaches, fatigue, irritability, and and it took me long into my adulthood to to recognize, okay, something's bothering you, you know, and you, you're not going to solve it with headache medicine and not going to solve it with taking a nap, which of course were the two things I would rather solve it with. You know, I had to really start to give myself permission to have the feelings and, you know, learn how to let them come. And otherwise, you know, when they're damned off, it's where your body just really, it takes a toll. And so now I'm happy to say I don't struggle with headaches anymore. And exhaustion as much anymore because things can kind of flow, you know, they can come and they can go. They don't have to just stay inside. Oh, my goodness. 
first of all, I relate to the headaches. I was queen headache. I had headaches all the time, all the time. And I had no idea that they were related to stress at all. Yeah. And then when you described how feelings, you know, not knowing how to do it and maybe sleeping, (laughs) I'll sleep them off. (laughs) Or I'll wait them out. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And, 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 you know, that's just, that's so sad because like we know now the book, the body keeps the score. Our bodies do express it. I mean, they have to come out somewhere. And yeah, I'm, what's coming to my mind, I'm just thinking, you know, even in our faith communities, I think that while spiritually they may know a lot of things, I think emotionally, there's a lot of emotional immaturity I see. And when I say that, I'm not trying to put it down. I just mean they're not emotionally attuned or that they understand that uh, emotions are healthy and normal and accepted. And that in the Bible, I mean, it's full of emotion. And Jesus had so many emotions, you know, he was moved to compassion. That's my favorite one, of course, but moved, Mm -hmm. that's energy. It's, it's, there's something happening there. He, you know, he was moved. He felt uh, something in his body propelling him towards that's movement. And yet it's just like, I find there's just such a, it's sad. It's almost like what we talked about where we grow up in these environments where emotions are like, no, no, we're just going to deal with the, you know, whatever showing or, and ignore emotions. And it, sometimes I feel like it's like that in the church. We'll deal with the spiritual, but when it comes to emotions or anything, just, you know, we'll shut that off. Right. And that's something that I'm hoping for change, but it troubles me. Yeah. No, I totally hear you. Yeah. I always thought when I was younger that, you know, when you grow older, maturity isn't automatic, but it, we all realize when we get a certain age that ma- emotional maturity is a choice. And a lot of people aren't willing to put in that hard work. So you can be very intelligent, you know, and have very low emotional intelligence or awareness. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, a lot of it is awareness. A lot of it is what we're talking about where, you know, they don't want to go there because they don't want to feel. And I realized too that, you know, when we, when we've been traumatized or when we've experienced trauma, we feel that overwhelm of energy and it scares us and really scares us, some of us. And if it's repetitive or it happens often in our childhood, because we have these self-protective bodies that God designed, it's his design, we sort of have this place in our body that's like, I'm going to protect you. And so I'm not going to let you feel that again. And so we want, there's a, there's almost a part of our nervous system that goes emotions. No, (laughs) yeah, we'd rather not. Yeah, we'd rather not. And I think sometimes that a lot of people just don't want to step because it's, it's too painful to, to think of sitting with a feeling, you know, feels like, no, I don't want to do that. Right. I totally agree. Yeah. And especially when those feelings remind the body, reminds you know, we have triggers everywhere and feelings can be triggering because yes, if, yeah. That's a and, big and, one for me because, mm-hmm. sorry, I interrupted you, but I used to think every time I got triggered from this trauma I had experienced with this therapist like a decade ago that I have, that I was backpedaling in my healing, you know, and that I was like basically failing at healing until I realized that, you know, triggers are just the brain recognizing a similar event and kind of saying just a warning, just, and that, that it has nothing to do with where we are in our healing journey. It is not a setback, but it is something that you have to allow to like be aware and let it pass 
I used to panic and think, oh, great, I'm back to square one. I clearly didn't forgive. I must still be angry. You know, all those kind of things. And I'm like, no, it's because you saw a similar car or you, you know, are in a similar town where your abuser lives. So triggers, that's just something I always like to tell people that triggers aren't setbacks. It's just the brain doing its job. Oh, I love that. I, I, you know, it's interesting you're saying that about triggers and the brain, because I remember, I think it was last year, we were in North, the South of North Carolina, I can't remember, we were in the car and I was, my brain was, I was listening to my brain <laughs> and my brain was going, this town that we're driving through looks like that town. So look what it was doing. It was already doing what we talk about the nervous system doing all the time. It makes connections. Hmm, right. This looks like that. And so when we know that, we feel less panicky about what's happening in our brain. So I love what you said, how it's just, it's just, it's just saying this is similar. This is similar. And that's really what's happening. Right. But also, I will say too, another way of looking at triggers too is that when they happen, I think that they could also be pain points that still need tending, that still need care, that yes. still need self-compassion, that still needs some some healing. Yes, I yeah. agree. That is another piece of it. You know, sometimes it is the recognition for me. It, for me, it was a particular person that you might still have some forgiveness work to do there, you know, that it keeps, you know, popping up. And again, forgiveness, forgiveness was such a journey for me, especially forgiving, you know, it was the pastor's wife who didn't believe me about this abuse. And I struggled to forgive her even more than my abuser, but I just realized that I had to forgive every single time it came up, you know, like I had to just keep at it and keep at it. It wasn't just like a, I forgive her. It was every time I feel the emotion, I have to do it again. Do you, rec do you relate to that, that at all? Or is that just my? No, it's not just your weird self. <laughs> yeah. But you know, again, like when I'm listening to you talk about that, I'm thinking, did anybody ever hold you or comfort you? that that was really a crappy thing that she did, like a really crappy thing. No, and I think that's one friend gave me a little bit of encouragement, that encouragement in that direction. But it, you're very, very wise to say that because that's what triggered me is that so many people were listening to me and saying, yes, but, you know, yes, but she did her best. Yes, but maybe she had abuse in her past. Yes, but, and nobody just said, like, I had one friend that was just, was just, so taken aback by it that she didn't even have words. And she told me, I, I'm just gonna, I just need to process that. Like she was horrified by it and it felt so good. And I thought, thank you, you know? And so. Isn't that, isn't that what we're looking for? Yeah. I mean, really? Just, we're, mm -hmm. Yes. Just acknowledge it. That's all we want. Yeah. You know, I often say that what we need is like a witness in when we're yes. talking about our experience and pain and a witness because we didn't have that. And that right. is really, I believe it's a really important part of the healing journey. I, I've said this before, but I remember when I, because we didn't talk about things, we didn't talk about emotions, right. you know, suddenly all these horrific things happened and then boom, you're an adult and you're married and you're supposed to go on with your life and have a lovely life. And it was like, I was going, I mean, the audience can't see me because we're not, we're just like audio here, yeah. but I'd be like, wait, wait, wait. Um, uh, like, uh, hello, you know, like, yeah, you know, and I'm supposed to just continue there. It, there still needed to be, there still needed to be some, some witness. There needed right. to be some naming. This is what happened. And this is how I felt. And this wasn't right. And I needed some compassionate eyes looking back at me and offering support. Right. And I don't remember exactly the way I said it, but I can remember posting one time, the hardest betrayals to heal from are those that have that 
where we receive no acknowledgement of wrongdoing, no apology, nothing at all. And yet, you know, we have to move forward in our healing process and we have to provide those things for ourselves, which we can do. It's not ideal and it's not easy, but sadly, that's often the case. We don't get that very often. And another thing you made me think about was people aren't really very good at being a witness to other people's pain. And I used to have this magnet where I could find all the emotional, emotionally unavailable people. And then I would continually, continually be hurt by those same people. And then I finally realized, you know, like some people don't have that skill and it isn't about you. Your problems aren't too big. Your emotions aren't too big. You're not weird. It's just that they are not able to sit with your pain because they are not able to sit with their own pain. And that took yeah. me a lot of a lot of time to learn in life. And I call them bow people now. They they just can't do it. They need everything to be happy and glossed over and just say something negative, but quickly name three positives right after it. Like, like I'm so uncomfortable with your emotion. You're making me so uncomfortable. And so anyway, you just have to be aware that that isn't about you and that you have to find people who are emotionally healthy enough you know, I think to, that, be, to sit with you. I think that takes time because a lot of us have had those experiences when we're younger, but now that we're older, we're learning these things about people. Someone was just sharing with me two weeks ago about how they were going through, I guess, postpartum, plus they had two other children and she was looking for comfort and just like for her relative to say, oh, it must be hard. I get it. And just exactly as you were saying, after this person I was talking to spoke and shared those things, like how hard it is and she was hoping for some tenderness, for some, it's going to be okay. The person didn't know what to do with it. So she sort mm -hmm. of brushed over it. And then she went to sit on her husband's lap. And I thought, gee, that is such an interesting thing to think about. She couldn't comfort her, but she needed comfort from the distress that she was getting, sort of, from hearing somebody else's story. Like, she didn't know what to do. So she went, she sat on, she needed comfort. Yeah. But you know, when we're young, we don't understand what's happening. It just, it doesn't feel good at all. No. But you named it. It's, there's a lot of people who are emotionally immature and they don't have the capacity to sort of self-reflect or offer empathy for your situation. And that is hard. It's it hard to be in relationships with, with people like that because there's no, there's no reciprocity. It's one way. Yeah. And I think part of healing is, for me, I just needed one person to totally understand what I was saying. I was just, and that just, it was like I could exhale then. It's like, okay, it isn't just me. Somebody else gets it. And and I think we all need that really in all different kinds of scenarios. Otherwise, we think it's about us and there's something wrong with us. And, you know, we just need to hear that we're not alone. Oh, wow. Well, that brings me back to what you were saying, you know, why I wanted to have this conversation is because of all of these messages that we take. And I love, you know, Kurt Thompson talks about, Dr. Kurt Thompson talks about um, first we sense and then we make sense of what we sense. So, you know, I think about some of the huge arrows that were shot at me. And I'm using the word arrow shot at me because I actually had a dream of an arrow. Probably, I was probably like a young mom at the time, shot at me and I caught on fire. And I was wow. like, who shot that? Who did that? And I was angry. And all of a sudden, I see the most beautiful looking man. And it was Jesus. And he was carrying in his arms towards me, white, clean clothing. Wow. And he said, don't worry, I will take care of you. I will dress you. And I was like, all my anxiety just melted. 
in his, in his love. And I think about the arrows that get shot. And when they get shot, they, it's like they get shot at who you are, what you're worth. Um, yeah, those things, those important things that we take with us into the future. And so the arrow shot at you, shot at me. We create this these beliefs from these experiences. Oh, I must not be worth it. I must be really not good enough. That's why dad left me. That's why my mother isn't paying attention to me. That's why, you know, all of these things, and we carry them around and they become our, our story, our story. I know that's so sad, but it's true. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you said one person, if I, we had one person, and I think that's true when, when people start showing us another story, another side. And, you know, in my own healing journey, I have found that being in a community in a safe community has been extremely helpful because I have, um, I have a little team of witnesses and I'm able to see my story in a different way, a way that my cognitive mind might've thought about, maybe a therapist told me or said, did you ever think of this? But when a, when a, when a team, when a group of people empathize with you, and speak truth into your life about what they know about you, who you really are, what they really see. You you start to just envision yourself in a different way, feel yourself into a different way. Yeah, it's amazing. I remember when I was going through all my, that trauma, part of my healing was I wrote like love letters to myself from Jesus, just because I'm a writer and it was like poetry, but I just combated all of, I knew scripture didn't lie. And so I just kind of inundated myself with the way I, I knew God thought of me and I counteracted it with, but, 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 but I did this, but I allowed this and just kind of wrote and wrote and wrote until I could kind of sense a shift. It took a, it was a lot of work to, there was so much of a wall, I guess, to get through that you, you don't, I can't just read a scripture about God's everlasting love or, you know, how I'm a perfect creation that just, that just didn't, it didn't stick. You know, there was too many other labels there. And so it's, it is worth our time and effort to combat those, however we go about it. Because otherwise, like you said, we will have a story that that's not even not even ours. It's more our reaction to the world or our survival technique in the world, not who we really are. I don't yeah. know if that made any sense no, at all. No, it totally but... did. It it and also it's our it's our narrative, but because the body plays such an important part, like I'll just give you an example. A lot of my story, I was in experiences where I was frozen or stuck and I couldn't get out. And that became a narrative. You're helpless. You're incapable. People aren't good. No one's going to come for you. And that was something that I carried and it, it inf affected everything. I could right. read the Bible and it can tell me, you know, you're powerful and you're this and you're that. And it didn't penetrate. I mean, it did to my head, but did right. nothing for the physiological responses that have learned to protect me. And I think that we change through both. We It's not enough to just have a new thought planted. It's that and it's having these people who can witness to you and who you really are in Christ who you really are in God, what they see. You know, I had an experience um, where, and I've never done this before, but I was in, it's called a story group. And it's a little bit like a confessional community, but 
Kurt Thompson was talking about, but essentially it's with a safe group of people and you share your story or a little piece of it. And then you have this group and these are friends of mine or become friends of mine. And to have them give you a different narrative of how they see you and seeing it in their eyes, I can't even describe to you the impact that that has had on me, like nothing, like nothing I've ever experienced before because it went deep. It did. It went yeah. deep. Yeah. I can even remember talking with you like a year or so ago. And then you saying to me something like, um, I don't think you really realize, you know, you have a soothing voice and you, you're intelligent and you have these gifts. And I'm like, no, I really don't. You know, it's like some, some messages are really hard to be undone and it takes time. And you, and you need to hear that over and over, you know, before you can, I guess, start to accept it. And when I hear you say that, I have such compassion because for you not to be able to take that in means you've been really hurt a lot. And I have compassion for that hurt little girl who, who, who couldn't take in anything good. Like, again, I'm a mother, so I can empathize. Like, imagine I would grab that little girl and just tell her how beautiful she is. And you know what I really love about our faith is that we have a God. I think that's why I'm so attracted to to him because I haven't had this faith my entire life was that this is a God who empathizes. I didn't have anybody, nobody who empathized with me, who, who talked about emotions, who empathized. I didn't even know what empathy meant. One day I felt it, I think. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and, and like, we have a God that says, and I, I don't know if I'm going to quote it properly, but he says, can a mother forget the nursing baby at her breast. So you think about it, like she's right there. She's feeding her baby. Her, she's looking at her baby. And he goes, even if she does, I could never forget you. What? What? I know. Like my own mother forgot me. My own father left me. But you are talking about the relationship, the connection that you designed. How intimate that is. That is the most important. That's the developmental number one. Start. It all starts here. That's the example you're giving. And you said, even if she'd forget, I will never forget you. Okay, I'm broken. That's it. Like that yeah. is the most beautiful thing I could ever hear. That's amazing. And but I wanted, I wanted to feel that. I wanted to feel those words. And that took a little bit more work. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I it, sure do. It kind of moves from greeting card to, to where it was life changing yeah. because. Well, it's just life changing. I guess there's no other way to go from having all of that self hatred and and then just to feel total acceptance. I mean, that's it's amazing. And and I finally got to that place, and that's where the real change happens. I feel like is when we can you know really feel his words. I don't really know how else to explain it, but when it really takes root, and and you know you know with 100% certainty when you're reading the scriptures that when he says he's outraged, that he is absolutely I will go to battle for you. I am so angry at what was done to you. You have no idea. You know, that that gives me chills just now because that's kind of what I had to pour into myself. And yeah. and even saying it kind of makes me emotional. And it's just like, or just, you know, the same thing with, you know, like, like I love you so much and, you know, you have no idea. I don't know. It just, when that becomes real, it's so amazing that the God of the universe is having an individual relationship with just you and just me and everyone and and I know, I know now that he is outraged by things that are done to us. And, and I don't care anymore about, I mean, I care, I care about justice, but I care more that he sees it. It's kind of that, like that acknowledgement 
that we wanted from people. He sees it and he knows, and I, I'm good with that. That's like, it's like, okay, God, that's all I needed. You know, and I trust that you can handle it, you know, however you're going to handle it. That was a little bit of a tangent, but I get kind of fired up when I'm thinking about feeling those words. It's amazing. I always wanted a big brother who would beat up, you know, people that were mean to me or, you know, I always wanted a dad that would, you know, like have the shotgun, you know, for if any guy was mean to me, you know, and I finally have that now with God. It's, it's, it's really cool. That's so beautiful. And, and you're not going on a tangent. I could listen to you for, for a very long time. Yeah, you're so right. Because, I mean, greeting cards, absolutely. I can't tell you how long it was a greeting card. A long, long time. Because for a long, long, long time, we believed that we were not lovable. So, you know, just reading about these things, it was like it didn't penetrate. It didn't penetrate. I heard it in my head. I didn't feel it. I know. And I, it makes me emotional because, you know, our parents are supposed to be, if your parents don't love you, then, I mean, they're wired to connect with you, but we're wired to connect. We're wired to be loved and protected. And when those, you know, basic things aren't there, then you know, if, if there's no other reality for, for a child, where are you supposed to go from there? Except to deduce that there is something horribly broken in you. That is, that is so, so true. Our first, I think it's our first introduction to the world and who we see is our caregiver. And Kurt Thompson said in the last episode, we come into the world looking for someone looking for us. And many of us didn't feel like we were welcome. In fact, we felt like we were more of a burden or a problem or, you know, and that, again, even if we weren't told that, maybe we were. It's, it's what we take with us. So therefore, when we read something that says the opposite, it, it, it doesn't always settle. We don't always. It, and I think that's something I really want to talk, like emphasize because people feel guilty. I know, but I don't, you know, I know it says he loves me or I know this, but I just can't get myself to believe it. Well, that makes sense. If you've grown up with a lot of trauma and you haven't experienced love from your caregivers and Frankly, often we see in God our caregivers, like, you know, and right. mine left. So how do I know God's not going to leave? Yeah, I agree. And I, I feel like some people maybe can accept and learn about God, learn that those words are true because they had a loving, compassionate, gentle father. But yeah, you're right. We don't have any context for that being true. We don't have any life experiences, you know, to point to those things being true. So it is hard. I totally relate. And I think that God knows that. And so he does. it takes time. Like you said, it's taken me a long time, but I'm at a place where I, I do know it now, not just in my head, but in my body. And before, when I would read those things, you know, like another one I love where it talks about God says, you are precious to me and you are honored and I love you. I mean, who I talks that like one. that? I know. <laughs> Who talks like that? I never heard that. I mean, I've said that to my children. I want to honor my children. I wanted to show them they're honorable. You deserve honor. You are a beautiful creation. But God speaks that to us. And I would read it, especially at the beginning of my journey. And I'd be like, oh, that's nice. And it would just fly right, just fly over me. Just like when we get compliments sometimes, you know, like yes. they just fly over you. Yeah, you're, you're like, oh, go I'll by. file that in. I don't yeah. know what to do with that. <laughs> But I've been taking it in and I'm like, wow, you're, you, my creator, are calling me precious. Whoa. And you honor me? Honor. Wow. 
Like that just blows me to pieces. And that's who's on my side. Exactly. It's like the, what is the scripture? If God is for me, you know, who, who could be against or something. So yeah, realizing that is almost all we need. You know, we need other things in this life, clearly, but that's the one that our whole survival depends on. I feel like the connection with God and, the, and knowing he loves us and knowing he's on our side. Yeah. Yeah. I had a powerful sort of conversion experience. I wasn't brought up in a home that was um, where they talked about God or believed in God. And then when my father had come to the Lord, when my parents, they got divorced and then he, it wasn't good. Like his, I didn't, I didn't like what I saw because there was no emotional intelligence. I'm not going to get into all of that, but I had a powerful experience that not everybody has. And I, I did like a U-turn. Like it was like, it was amazing. And still, even with that experience of knowing, okay, he's real. He showed me it still took decades because of my trauma to take in all those things he says about me as truth. I know I've been there. And, and, you know, I kind of heard in a group that I'm in about experiences and other people's words, you know, putting like indent, indentations on us, you know, and like, those are really hard to, to those are really hard to undo. And it, and it takes time. But yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think about the journey of healing and I kind of hoped it would be short. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, okay, Same. I understand all that. And now I'll, but it's not. And I think that as time goes on, we're just experiencing more and more and deeper and deeper. And I'm really seeing that God uses the body of Christ, a healthy, safe body of Christ yes. to, to heal, to help heal us. I was just thinking that earlier. Um, I was going to say that I love how he, you know, sends people in our lives to do that work or to, to show us how he feels about us. And I remember when I was going through this experience and it felt like no one really believed that an adult could be taken advantage of, and there's something must be wrong with me. And I felt very alone. I did know there were other survivors out there in the world, but still hard. And it's not a subject talked about very often, but when I found an attorney who was like, I am going to fight for you, you know, when it was just so healing to have a total stranger, you know, understand, relate, want to fight for me. And and God used these little experiences. There was another one with a medical board and there was one doctor that was just outraged. And I it just brought me so much healing. He didn't even know I was in the audience and he didn't, you know, know the effect he had on me. I always wanted to thank him, but I'm not sure if I even know his name, but he's a stranger and he's so angry that something was done to just me. I couldn't believe it. It was mind blowing. And it's kind of like what you're saying, like God is concerned if with just you, I mean, with all the, you know, just the, the one lost sheep, it's kind of mind blowing. And I, I could feel that scripture that, you know, leave the 99 to save the one every time, you know, I had somebody like that, that cared enough because I had not experienced that before in life. I mean, like somebody going to bat for me or. That is just so powerful. As you were talking, I was just like, I was taking it in. And especially when we haven't seen anybody. Because we have been harmed. And if your child is harmed, would you not be outraged? Yes. Yeah. I mean, Mama I would completely bear. come unglued. And I will tell you one thing that made me, I feel like I failed my kids in a lot of ways. And I beat myself up about a lot of things. But one thing that I was proud of is my daughter said one time when she was younger, she said, mom, I told my friends, some people call their attorneys, but I call my mom. And it made me feel so good because she was essentially saying, you do not want my mom to hear about this. You do not want her to call you, you know? And I was like, yes, 
they, I'm so glad she knows I will go ballistic, you know, if so much uh, of a hair in her head was, and that's, that's what God is saying to us. So, yes. And that's the natural design. But, you know, as we know, there's a lot of pain and suffering and generational junk that gets passed on. And, and then we have to, I heard somebody say something about like, what did, what did I hear exactly? Something about like, you know, the beginning of our life, whatever the first 20 years we suffer, and then we spend the rest of our lives trying to heal from the first part of our lives. And, <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> hilarious. That. Yeah. But there's so much beauty to be found in the healing journey. So much beauty because it's there redemptive. Is. It's redemptive. Yeah. And, you know, I'd like to say that I, I've experienced God in, in the hustle and bustle of life and in the good times, but the reality is we're, we're busy and we're, you know, we get self-absorbed and distracted. And so it's really in the darkest times that life's, you know, comes to a screeching halt. And, you know, it's kind of like everything goes black around us. And and for me, you know, if you turn away, some people turn away from God in that moment too. And, and, and then you're just in this pit of despair. But like for me in this experience 10 years ago, it was just me and God, there was nobody else. I didn't trust anybody else. So I clung to him. Like, I don't know how I'm going to survive today, God. So I mean, you, you know, I was forced to stay that close to him. And so, you know, this trauma, not that I would ever want to experience it again, it was one of the more beautiful encounters with God that I've ever had, because there was no other distractions. It was just him and me. And we don't, you know, going through life and we're busy and doing things, we don't often slow down enough to have those experiences. So yes, I was, I was grateful. The worst thing that ever happened to me is the best thing that ever happened to me because of God. Now, if he wasn't redemptive, it would just be the worst thing that ever happened to me. But he turned it into, you know, something far more strengthened my faith, you know, brought my husband, you know, healed, healed our marriage, healed our family. And it's just a, a rippling effect, you know, out. So that was such a beautiful explanation. And I think it's a really beautiful way to end. I loved this conversation. It fed me. I hope that the audience found it helpful. So is there any last words you want to say before we say goodbye? I don't think so. I just love you. And it's just like, Aww. you're just like talking to a friend. And well, yes, I, I, I hope that the, <laughs> I know you are, but I mean, you're just so fun to, and easy to talk with, but yes, I hope that they can glean something mm -hmm. you know, from what we talked about today. Oh, I do too. And I always want to just like provide hope that there's hope because we yes. know in, you know, being, there are times where we just feel like there is no hope. I'm going to go to my grave feeling this horrible and I am going to always feel this way. And we want to show there, there's, there's hope. Yes, there is definitely hope. God is a God of second chances. That's what I always like to say. And third and fourth. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. All right. Bye, Amy. Bye. Talk to you later. <laughs>